Sports, politics, life. Back Nine Development presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Online at backninedevelopment.com. Midterm election day is here, finally, after waiting two long years, and we're all expecting really good results for the Republican Party and conservatism in America. We're very excited about the conservative candidates that the Democrats poured millions and millions of dollars into supporting in the primaries that have way overperformed in polling in places like Arizona and Georgia and now in Pennsylvania and other places like that where they poured money into these candidates and said, yes, we want these conservative candidates to be on the general ballot because we'll be able to beat them. Looks like that's going to backfire on the Democrats. It looks like it should be a very good day. There is a warning out there from ABC News, a story the day before the election that there will be a red mirage. This one grabbed my attention. They said, don't expect much out of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan on Tuesday that, quote, Republican leads will dwindle or crumble completely after perceived dumps of votes are counted over days or even weeks, unquote. So here we go again. We still have a handful of states that didn't correct the problems from two years ago. They did not change the rules. They did not change the way they tabulate these, and it's completely inexcusable. Anyone that doesn't have results out on Tuesday night needs to redo their state system. And one of the things that we should do, in my estimation, if we get control of the House and the Senate, and I've got a lot of things that I'd like to do, one of them should be some sort of an election reform bill that requires states to count all of their votes that have, that have arrived by 7 p.m. on election night. Any early voting has to be in and counted by 7 p.m., and it's over. This is reasonable. If you have, in some states, three weeks to get your vote in, that's reasonable. Allowing them to keep coming in until Friday is not reasonable. That's not part of a Democrat process. I don't like it. So I'd love to see that happen and say we will count them all, and, and you can begin counting. Listen, they could have begun counting in any state at midnight last night on actual election day. They could have started at midnight and had everything done by 7 o'clock other than what was voted today. I understand that live voting today would take a little more time to count all those, but it should just all be in. And at 7 p.m. tonight when the polls close in your particular state, boom, dump. Here's all the er- – and it should just have a headline, early voting, boom. We don't have to call it mail-in. We don't have to call it early voting. We don't have to call it ballot boxes. We don't have to call it anything. All right, advanced voting, 7 p.m., boom, there's the numbers. Then we'll add the live voting over the next couple hours from what happened on Tuesday. This is not complicated. This is the United States of America. It's 2022, and any system in place that goes beyond that is simply ripping off the voters, ripping off the citizens of this country, and undermining the integrity of the elections we have, even if it's accurate. It undermines what people think, and it should. It absolutely should. So I don't have a lot really to add here today of of all these different races or anything like that. You've been following it. I've been following it. We're going to see what the results are. I think we're going to have a really good day. A couple of years ago on Election Day, I talked a lot about the history of elections in the United States, and I don't want to go that route today. I did want to share with you a couple personal things on this podcast about me and see if I know I'm going to get emails from you and this is going to relate with a lot of you. You're going to say you had a lot of the same experiences. And I just want to talk about voting and what voting means to me, not my wife, not my kids, not my family, not my parents, not my friends, not anybody I know. 
what voting means to me. This started at a very early age for me, before I was able to vote. I didn't necessarily follow politics. In other words, in 1976, when Jimmy Carter was running and the convention was here in Kansas City, I was aware of politics and I knew the Republicans were at Kemper Arena. I'm 12 years old. I'm like, I'm, I, was, I knew it was happening. And I, so I saw it and I kind of followed that. I remember thinking, oh, peanut farmer from Georgia. That sounds like a good idea for president. Better than, you know, some of this other stuff. I didn't know anything about policies. Didn't know anything about parties. Didn't really follow it that closely. But I was enamored with the election process. The concept of voting. I couldn't wait to turn 18 so I could vote and have my say. As you might imagine, I was a fairly opinionated kid. I always had opinions. I had opinions in school. I loved to debate. I wouldn't call it arguing. I would frequently just take the opposite side of a discussion just to see if I could win it. It was entertaining. It was fun for me. As I got to high school as a sophomore, I got involved in journalism classes at Shawnee Mission North. And there was a student newspaper. We called it a radio station, but it wasn't really a radio station. It played Music in the hallways, in the lunchroom, before school, during lunch, and after school. And they would let you be a DJ, so I was involved in both. But it started for me basically as a sophomore, and I would be in these classes, and I got access to the student newspaper, and I said, why don't we do some college football and basketball top 10 polls? To me, at that point, polls and sports were very interesting, and this was voting. So I made up these sheets. They were blank pieces of paper, ranking your teams one through 10. I would also print on their last week's top 10 so people could see that and know who the teams were and update the records and things like that. And I would say, swing by my locker or I'd pass them out in class. Anybody wants to vote. I'll tabulate them and we'll put them in the student newspaper. And we'll let you know what the student body thinks the top 10 looks like. To me, that was voting. That was a process. It was democratic. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I loved voting myself in these polls. I was an Associated Press college football poll voter for many, many years and would get up every Sunday morning and work diligently on my poll. It was different then. Uh, As I recall, most of the time we either faxed it or called it in. (laughs) It's different than it is today. But I did that probably for seven or eight years, and I loved doing it. I loved being part of having a vote in what the AP poll was. So that's really where it started with me. I considered that to be an election. We're electing teams in this poll. Then I decided with my uh, friend in high school, Brett Hooker, who's no longer with us. He was my freshman college roommate. Brett was an unbelievably smart, gifted, talented, funny, entertaining man who was tortured and his family had a history of of mental illness and, and some things that is really tragic. Brett's no longer with us. But boy, did we have a great time in high school. Brett Hooker and I decided to do something that you would never think of. We were going to run for Pep Club president. At the time, Pep Club was was kind of silly. It was like, oh, okay. It was usually one of the male cheerleaders was the Pep Club president. Nobody really knew what that was. And we went to the, the leadership at school and said, we want to start doing these rallies. We want to do assemblies. At the assemblies, they're boring. People don't want to go to the assemblies. We want to do something different. So we campaigned to take the thing over. And Brett and I would be co-presidents of the pep club. And we would design every single pep rally that we would have at Shawnee Mission North. And we would do skits and it would be funny and we would play music and it would be entertaining. 
And the best way to think of it, although I was not very sexy, is I was Dean Martin and he was Jerry Lewis. Okay, I was Dan Aykroyd and he was John Belushi. And we did things like that. We dressed up like the Blues Brothers. We dressed up like clowns. We dressed up like all kinds of stuff. We did skits before mascots did skits. I dress up as the Shawnee Mission East Lancer and I would be the foil. He would come after me and it was, it was fun. It was a way for two young guys that were attention starved. That's the only way to describe it. We loved the microphone. We loved performing in front of the entire student body. We loved having a voice. We loved having impact. We loved it when people said, wow, we like the assemblies now. This is cool. When they call you out of class and say, hey, assembly at 1120 in the field house, people looked forward to that. It became interesting, entertaining. We've, we developed a, like a fan group at the basketball games. I was too short to play basketball. So it was mostly basketball around ball rowdies. You know, we had all this fun at the basketball games. It was a blast. I had to run for that position. We won in a landslide. It was easy. Now, I never wanted to run for student body president. That seemed way too serious. And I didn't want these meetings in the library where we were going to try to work with the principal on this. No, I was trying to, I was trying to skate stuff. I was having fun in high school. Okay. And we were really good at this. When we ran for the positions, I don't remember who we ran against, but it, it, I really don't remember. All I know is that when we ran, and this was my first real dip into elections or democracy, um, we didn't do things like say you shouldn't eat steak, you should eat Chef Boyardee. We didn't say things like women, white women are roaches to raid. We didn't compare gas prices to democracy. We didn't stumble around on stage or get lost when we were speaking. We didn't do any of the things the Democrats have done here. None of them. Look, I think voter turnout is going to be really high, but we are going to see the baseline Democrat vote. There just aren't any swing votes going blue this time. What we see in the result of this election, to me, again, not a political scientist, not an insider. I believe right now the mood of this country is we are about to see the baseline, not the base. Okay, the base is the fervent 35% of the wackos that are, you know, whatever. These are the unpersuadables. We're going to bake in numbers for Democrats tonight that they're going to get every time until the electorate changes. And it is changing. We're looking at a polling that says 17% of black Americans will vote for a Republican in Congress. We're looking at a four-point deficit for Republicans in the Latino vote. Four points deficit is all. These are massive sea changes, and they continue to get bitter, bigger. The 17% is up from even Trump two years ago with black voters. So the word is getting out. There's help out there. There are impactful, loud, intelligent black voices in podcasting, media, entertainment that are reaching people that have never thought about voting for another party. There's like, no, it's a one-party deal. I go, I vote for these people, and that's that. And they're now hearing reasons why they shouldn't. Because despite how much we complain about big tech, despite how much we complain about the legacy media or the corporate media all being owned by liberals, Despite all that, the flow of information in this country has never been greater. You know, it used to be, if you lived in Dodge City, Kansas in the 1800s, you know, 
some letters would arrive from Washington, D.C. to the county courthouse or something, and the newspaper would get some of those letters of what's going on, and they would print stories, and it would be in the Dodge City Gazette or whatever the name of the paper was, and people in Dodge City would read the newspaper, and that news was two weeks old. Sometimes big things would be telegraphed, and they could get them there instantly. If a president was assassinated or something like that, that news would get out fairly quickly, but nothing like today. And I suspect it will just become more and more information that more and more people are going to get. We concern ourselves with a lot about the left controlling all the information, but we have to understand when we see the black vote totals going up every time, every election cycle now, that's just massive information. What we know is, you know, the more people that get informed on all this stuff, the closer it's going to be to 50-50, and that can only help the GOP. It can only help the GOP because by and large, white voters are not moving. The, the, the numbers aren't white suburban women were moving toward the Democrat party. Now they're coming back this election. They're persuadable. People have lost their minds. Oh my God, we can't believe they're more worried about food prices and gas prices than abortion. And my response to those people is most white suburban women don't need an abortion. They don't think about an abortion. The women we're talking about either don't have children or their children are very little. Abortion is not on their radar. They're on some sort of birth control or their husband's been sterilized. Something's going on here, right? It, it, abortion just can't be that important to that many people. If it is, it's just deeply philosophical. It's either religious on the right or some sort of a control thing on the left. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, listen, it's not up to me. I'm not a female voter and abortion's not my number one issue. It's way down the list. But when they freak out and say they don't understand how these women are swinging in the, suburb, in the suburbs, the suburban districts, it's pretty easy for me to see. Most of these women, abortion's not an issue to them. I mean, I got a 25-year-old daughter. I, I, I know it's a big issue to her at this point in her life, okay? But I'm not, I'm not worried about her needing an abortion. It's just it's not a factor. It's not going to happen. She's smarter than that. I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. So we watch these elections. We watch how they campaign poorly. And I can promise you that I campaigned better in high school than the Democrats have done nationally in this election. They've absolutely blown it. Some of the things that they say trying to grab headlines or become individually famous themselves really backfires. The politician that said, look, okay, prices have gone up. So instead of steak, you're going to have to eat Chef Boyardee now. And then they said, I love Chef Boyardee. I even like it from time to time, once a year maybe. But I understand it. You don't say that to voters. You don't tell them you can't eat steak anymore. That's not what you say to working class people. You just don't do it. You don't say white women are roaches voting for raid, which obviously is the spray that kills bugs. These people have blown this election. I can't see how they could have done any worse. The results that we're going to see, to me, are baked in. Unless the electorate continues to move right, what the Democrats get tonight, they will always get. I don't see how they could possibly ever do worse than tonight. Now, what that means for Republicans, it's hard to say. I think, if I'm guessing, I'm going to go 53-47 in the Senate. I think we're going to have a 40-50 to 50 member lead in the House of Representatives uh, by the time this is all said and done. But the Republicans campaign better. We had better candidates. And let's be honest, if you put good conservative candidates out there, most American voters will say, 
I agree with that. I agree with that. Oh, and look at that candidate. They're presenting this in an easy way to understand what's important to me. They've narrowed it down to two or three things, economy, crime, border, the main ones. Okay, they've narrowed it down to that. That's important to me. Oh, he's speaking about what's important to me. That's important to me. Oh, and then this lady over here running for the Democrats is talking about the threat to democracy, which nobody believes. I would like to say nobody understands because I don't understand what they're talking about when they say it's over. That this election, if the Republicans win, that democracy in America is dead. I don't even understand that concept. This is democracy. It's the absolute definition of democracy. And when they say stupid things like that, and maybe this is what they teach at the highest levels of you know, universities and college and all these different things. Maybe that's what they teach. Maybe that's what these intellectuals actually believe. If they want to believe that, knock themselves out. What I would tell them is, no, everybody out here is laughing at it. Democrats are laughing at it. I can promise you, I know I have friends that are Democrats. They're going to vote for Democrats. And they would laugh at the prospect of America's dead and democracy's dead if the Republicans win tonight. They would laugh at a pundit on TV literally saying, that Trump's going to run, and in 24, even if he doesn't win, a violent mob of Trump supporters will overtake Washington, D.C. and overthrow the federal government. I'm like, really? Yeah, okay. Bubba and Jimmy from Gainesville are going to team up with Trump, and they're going to go into D.C., and they're going to take over the United States military. Okay. All right. Thank you. Great, great, great insight. Got to love these pundits on the left. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. As a foreshadowing to the election, it has to be noted. We had a blood-red moon. <laughs> we did. A blood-red moon. Now, I don't know that's ever happened on election day before. And Powerball got shut down because one state was not in compliance on Monday night for the nearly $2 billion jackpot. They won't say which state. There's 48 states and territories, I guess, involved. And one state had some sort of security protocol, so they did not release the Powerball numbers on Monday night. It's being held up. It was supposed to be 10 o'clock last night. At the time we we're recording this on Tuesday morning, there are no Powerball numbers for November 7th. And that seems like some sort of a foreshadowing. So we have the blood red moon, which is a great omen for Republicans. We have security protocol with Powerball and the delay, which is, of course, the Democrats. We're going to see that. There will be delays. It is a joke. One of the first things we must do, and I've, I've called for this for a long time, not nationalizing elections, but maybe some integrity laws would be great. I can give you a couple ideas. Voter ID would be one. You know, every advanced vote must be in the day before the live election. They can begin counting them at midnight. And at seven o'clock, we bust the numbers out. Here's the advanced numbers. Here's who's winning everywhere. Boom, they just pop up on the screen. Then we see what happens with all the live voting. That is transparency. The American voters would then believe that. These votes are counted. The early votes are in. They're the first ones we will report. Why would the early votes be the last ones you report? Just ask yourself. A lot of times in life, we just ask ourselves really simple questions. Why would the early votes be the last ones we count? There's no answer for that. The answer is they wouldn't. And we have to get away from that. I started young with voting, with polling, with all that stuff. And I think a lot of you probably did too. It's a blessing 
in this country to be able to exercise your right to vote, to vote for freedom, prosperity, safety, liberty, and American greatness, which we're really not allowed to talk about anymore. They'll cancel you if you talk about American exceptionalism or American greatness. We're not any better than anybody else. Yeah, our system kind of is. If we stick to it, it's proven. You know, like that whole 250 years thing kind of proves it's better than everybody else's system, doesn't it? I think we got enough history. It's not a small sample. Stick with what works. Conservatism, the Constitution, our founding fathers' vision, it works. And I'm feeling that today. KKHI is brought to you by the Finch Knife Company. Boy, they've got pocket knives that are just great tributes to America. These are just beautiful, beautiful knives. These are unbelievable Christmas gifts for someone special in your life. Or if you have clients that you get gifts for every year around the holiday season to thank them for their support to your business or whatever it may be, a Finch pocket knife is a great idea. Online at finchknifeco.com. You can see them in person at Shields in Overland Park or the bullet hole in mission. Keep life from getting dull with a Finch pocket knife. Advantage termite and pest control. Many of you are making the switch. You're sending me emails. I got an email last week from a gentleman. Took a picture of the Advantage truck out by his driveway. Said, whoop, we made the switch. Here's the first service call. Advantage termite and pest control is at their house now. It's easy. AdvantageTPC.com. That's AdvantageTPC.com. 913-768-8989. Won't you make the switch? You may love the people that do what they're doing, but do you know them? Do you know what kind of company they are? Go with someone that you know and trust. I've had these folks for over 20 years. Jessica's known them longer than that. All the way back to college. Advantage Termite and Pest Control. They'll take care of all of it for you. Online at AdvantageTPC.com. Buck Roofing and Construction is online at rbuckroofing.com. Pre-winter is an excellent time, truly an excellent time, to get your roof inspected. Because when it snows and ices up on your roof, when it starts to melt, that can be the worst type of damage and dripping into your home that you could possibly get. You don't want to climb up there. Let Buck Roofing inspect it free. 913-384-2680. Online at rbuckroofing.com. You'll sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fixed the roof over your head. And remember, all of our sponsors and many more are on the KK list. Go to thekklist.com for any goods or services you're looking for. If you have suggestions or ideas for other categories or other businesses that you know of, let us know. Click join the list and let us know who else to add to the list. The KKList.com. We're getting pretty good traffic there. When people go there, they're ready to buy. They're ready to hire someone or they're ready to buy. That's the beautiful part about it. If they visit there, they're looking for someone. They're ready to go. It's the KKList.com, and you can find all of our sponsors there. All right, so Trump had a big rally in Ohio on Monday night. And then they started playing music at the end of it. Very emotional, and he got serious. And he was supposed to make a big announcement. And the announcement he made was, he made a big announcement that there's going to be a big announcement Tuesday, one week from today. Tuesday the 15th, it looks like Donald Trump is going to announce that he's running for president. Speculation at that point will be over. I, I truly believe that. I don't, I don't see how he doesn't run. 
I think he feels like I'm going to be the first to announce to deter others from trying to primary me. Most specifically, Ron DeSantis. I don't know why they don't just broker a deal. I don't know why he doesn't say, look, Ron, um, I got this. If it doesn't work, it's all yours in four years. I'm going to throw all my support behind you. You're it. You would absolutely be the front runner, but I'm past president. I've got this. And and I think DeSantis probably knows, as much as we all love Ron DeSantis, that he would not beat Trump in the primary. And the damage they would do to one another would just be awful. What we need is, if Trump's going to run, we just need him to sail through it. No no pants. None of these other challengers. No Nikki Haley. Forget about it. Just let him go. You know he's going to win the nomination. Just let him go uncontested. So I think we're going to learn in one week that that's what he's going to do. Typical Trump fashion, you know, he's mad at Mike Pence. That's the day Mike Pence's book comes out. So Trump's going to take all the headlines that day away from Mike Pence and his book. So look for that, and it's going to get really interesting. I have no prediction on whether or not Trump could win. I think looking at the results tonight and comparing them to Trump two years ago is going to be fascinating. If so many of these suburban women cross over like we think and vote Republican, Clearly, they would be willing to vote for Ron DeSantis, and they're not going to be willing to vote for Trump. There are some serious downside to Trump running again. Serious downside. And I'm going to stick with my prediction that Gavin Newsom is who the Democrat nominee is. That's just my prediction. That's my early. That's way. That's my way too early. Democrat candidate prediction is it will be Gavin Newsom from California. Shout out to a man I call a friend. I don't speak with him often. We haven't worked together for many, many years, but I consider him a friend. Dave Helling of the Kansas City Star was at Channel 4 for many years when I worked there. He knows politics. He knows everyone in this city. 45 years in journalism. Shawnee Mission West grad, Creighton University, smart guy, Democrat. But I always knew Dave when I worked with him, and I have not worked with him in years. I always knew Dave when I worked with him. I knew him to be a Democrat, but I knew him to be fair. And he looked at me and thought, Okay, I know Kevin's a conservative, but he's fair. Like if a conservative is out there scamming something and I got assigned a news story, I would out that person. I would treat that story honestly. I would step back away from my own thoughts and report what needs to be reported. Dave Helling was that guy. He did a great job for many, many years before anybody knew his political leaning. Now, once you go to the work at the Kansas City Star, now you're done. You know, you know you're a liberal. You don't get hired. Dave did a lot of great in this community. He did a lot of great. He reported a lot of big stories. He held a lot of people in power to accountability. He held their feet to the fire. And he did some absolutely remarkable things in his career that goes maybe more unnoticed now than it did before. He was probably, well, there's no probably. It was a bigger deal on TV than he's ever been at the Star. The Star subscriptions are down, so people don't see it. Maybe you don't follow or know Dave Helling's work today like you would have then. But Dave Helling, when I started, was mostly a producer. They made him then a reporter. He was covering... He covered crime, he covered politics, he covered city hall, all things government, and became basically the political director at Channel 4. Just a phenomenal career from a guy that never really wanted a lot of attention. He didn't want to be a TV star. He didn't want to be a celebrity. He didn't want to be any of that. He was committed and dedicated to the craft of journalism. And if Dave Helling did a story about corruption on a Republican candidate, I would know it was a fair piece and not a hit piece. He would also go after Democrats and tell it like it is. That's a dying breed. Uh, His wife, Terry, I worked with. She worked at Channel 4 as well. 
These are really, really, really wonderful people and wonderful Kansas Cityans and a tremendous journalist. Congratulations, Dave Helling, on an amazing career. 45 years in journalism in Kansas City. He ends his career on December 30th. Dave, give me a call. You need to do a podcast. I can help. Oh, there's somebody else retiring in Kansas City TV that wants to do a podcast. Came to Kevin and said, what do you think about this? And I said, I think that's great. Can I help? Yep, you can help. What should I do here, here, here? I'm in. I've learned some stuff in a couple of years. I'll help any way I can. Anybody that I worked with in the past, or anyone that I consider a friend, I will help. Dr. Bill Bush should be your new dentist at North Kansas City Dental. They're just across the river in North Kansas City. They're also in Westwood, Kansas. He's an award-winning dentist. He's Patrick Mahomes' dentist. I mean, can we just, should we just end it right there? I mean, the Facebook page of NKC Dental is just loaded up with all the Chiefs players that go in there and get all their dental work done. And you will not find a bigger philanthropist than Dr. Bush. Thousands and thousands and thousands of kids that are underserved in the medical community, he has done dental work for free through Team Smiles. It's an amazing program. I, I, I've made the switch. He's my dentist. I'm done. This is it. He's my dentist for life. Dr. Bill Bush, nkcdental.com. The Bluemont Hotel in Manhattan and Goolsby's Restaurant Sports Bar Indoor Entertainment Center in Manhattan is your place to stay when doing business in Manhattan or if you're there for fun. Maybe you're headed up to see a basketball game. We'll talk a little basketball in a little bit here. We'll get into some of that. The Bluemont Hotel and Goolsby's are the destination in Manhattan. Manhattan's growing, it's booming. And it deserves a world-class hotel like the Bluemont and a great experience like Goolsby. Check it out online, bluemonthotel.com. And 360 Document Solutions, Mark Lindquist and his group are more than happy to help you at your business make the most of your business. It's no more complicated than that. Business machines, copiers, uh, printers, IT solutions, phone systems. Mark and his team can really help you out in a great way. All you got to do is call them for a free consultation, 913 913- 745-5344. That's 360documentsolutions.com. Okay, Clark Hunt had a Zoom call with media that I was not invited to be part of. I, I, I'm not. I can't. I, I, Chiefs won't. I'm out. I'm out. Clark Hunt did a Zoom call with local media and was asked about how Britt Reed got drunk at Arrowhead. And Clark said there was no gathering, no party. Quote, we were in compliance, unquote, with NFL rules, which to me is insulting because to say you were in compliance with NFL rules is basically saying the only thing that matters is we didn't get any trouble for this. Now, why you paid millions of dollars and bought your way out of this if you did nothing wrong is an entirely different discussion. The follow-up question that was not asked is, why did you give all that money to that family if you did nothing wrong? I would like to see Clark Hunt answer that question. He was not asked that question. He said we were in compliance. We don't expect the NFL to punish us in any way. There was not an organized gathering or party that we were responsible for. And quote, we were in compliance. Well, shame on you for being in compliance and having that happen at your workplace. I would say, Mr. Hunt, you had monitors on all your employees at that time because of COVID. You knew everywhere they walked every day. You have security cameras in every room in the facility. Are you telling me that you did not know Britt Reed was drinking at work? How is that even possible? Of all the workplaces in Kansas City, the least likely place to drink at work and get away with it is Arrowhead. 
There's a camera in every room, every hallway. He was individually wearing a monitor on his wrist that tracked every room he was in all day because of COVID. Do you remember that? <laughs> Those questions weren't asked. They let him skate. I am, I'm insulted by the line, we were in compliance. I, I don't care if you were in compliance with the NFL rules. Did you do something wrong? Did something slip through the cracks here? Have you changed protocols? Have you changed anything since that night? And why would you admit your guilt by settling with that family when this had nothing to do with you? If there was no party and you weren't responsible in any way, and it was simply Britt Reed going rogue, hiding under his desk, drinking gin or vodka out of a bottle, then you had nothing to do with, then why did you settle with that family? You did something wrong. You did something wrong. You know you did something wrong, and you won't admit it. I won't dwell on that story, but it was interesting to hear him ask about it finally for the first time and to hear him say that they did not have a party, that they did not have an organized gathering. So they had a gathering. It just wasn't the team's. My question is this. If Andy told the coaches, hey, there's no dinner Thursday night because we're not in Tampa at the Super Bowl, but Thursday's our night, we're bringing some food in or something, and here's your gift and all these other things that you get to go with the Super Bowl, and part of that gift was, say, a bottle of scotch or something expensive or wine or whatever it may be. And then some of the coaches went back to their offices and cracked them open and started drinking them together, three, four, five, seven assistant coaches in one room. Chiefs aren't responsible for that. You're in compliance for that? Mm. We, we, we're never going to know. We're never going to know, but I, I am insulted by saying we were in compliance. I just don't think that's a really good answer in something this serious. I, I, I just don't. That's just me. All right, college basketball is underway. This is going to be fun this year, right? We got a lot of new. We got a lot of new. We got new coaches at Mizzou and at K State. Missouri wins 97 91 over Southern Indiana. High scoring game. Kansas State went up and down the floor. They scored a whole bunch of points. KU struggled a little bit at times here and there, but they win easily. And I think KU's opponent was the best of the three teams on Monday night that they faced. There's a couple of interesting stories here. We won't go into great detail yet on these, but remember remember the name Grady Dick at Kansas. He's going to be every KU fan's favorite player for quite a while. He's a freshman phenom. He's going to be their favorite player, and he's going to be every Missouri and K-State fan's most hated player at Kansas. And obviously, his name is Grady Dick. They've already made some signs and jokes and things around Lawrence. Eh, I can only imagine what K-State Missouri fans may do. Kid's a baller. He's a player. He's just walking right in. Five-star Gatorade All-America. Tremendous player. Grady Dick, remember that name. The other one to watch is, we'll, we'll do some interviews on this later as basketball season progresses. A player at Kansas State named Keontae Johnson. You may remember him from playing at Florida a few years ago. He was the player that collapsed at the game. I think they were playing at Florida State. He collapsed on the floor very early in the season. It was non-con. He collapsed in warm-ups. He was in an induced coma for three days. 
They got him back to the hospital. They diagnosed a very serious heart problem. It is apparently under control. He does not look anything like he looked like two years ago. This dude is ripped. He is big. He is strong. He swished three threes on Monday night. He looks like an NBA player playing in college. That's what he looks like. He doesn't look like he belongs on the floor with the other players. Now, NBA wasn't going to take him. He's got to go play. I don't have all the details. I know this. Keontae Johnson has a $5 million policy that if he walks away from basketball right now and says, we went back to the doctor, my heart's fluttering, whatever, I'm scared, he gets the money. But he can't ever play pro ball. He wants to play pro ball. He'll be one and done at K-State. He's an old guy. I think he's, he, he might be 20. By the time March Madness rolls around, I think he's turned 24. All right, this guy's not young. He looks like a man among boys. But it's crazy to think what he's been through medically, and now he's doing that. That's probably one of the main reasons why he's at Kansas State. A lot of schools didn't want to touch him. It wasn't going to work at Florida because those people had already seen what happened, and he just couldn't come back to Florida. It just wasn't going to work there. Kansas State's his place. We'll see how it goes. It looks like at this point he wants to play the season, see if he can get drafted in the NBA. We wish him the very best of luck. I love stories of redemption, stories of overcoming, and maybe there's one there. I don't have much clue as to how good Missouri or K-State are going to be this year with their new coaches. Missouri's, if you follow other people in the sport, they're recruiting, what they've done. It seems to have a little more juice behind it than what K-State has done, but watching K-State, they're way bigger and more athletic than they were under Bruce Weber. They're running around playing defense, swatting balls, rebounding. They just look better. I don't know how skilled they are as basketball players. And I don't know if Jerome Tang can coach. He hasn't really been a head coach. We don't know these things. So I think there's a giant wild card with the Wildcats. Missouri seems to be a little bit more of a given thing. Boy, the recruits they brought in have been great. And the transfers and fantastic. So we'll see. College basketball is underway. How about this little note from football? The Chiefs worst loss of this year, no matter what happens the rest of the way, the Chiefs worst loss this year is going to be to the Colts. Colts fired Frank Reich. He beat the Chiefs. So this is what the NFL is. First coach fired may wind up being a coach who beat the Super Bowl champion. <laughs> First coach fired is the one with a lesser team that beat the team with the best quarterback. Frank Reich, I, I'm not, look, I'm not sitting here endorsing the guy saying he should be given more of a chance. That's not my point. But every year he was at Indy, he had a new starting quarterback every September. Every single year, a new quarterback. Once Andrew Luck left, that thing's a mess. And, you know, who is the next head coach? Who wants that job? They don't have a quarterback, so who wants it? You know, that would be a really good job for Eric Bieniemy, And I'll tell you why. Indy can check a lot of boxes by hiring him. They can work toward finding their quarterback. Bienemy gets his big fat contract. He really isn't going to call his shot to go somewhere where there's a great quarterback. And then if they draft one and they decide Bienemy isn't the guy, they can make a move in three years. That looks like a good spot for Eric Bienemy. Mike Kafka's being mentioned for it. He's the Giants offensive coordinator. He was the rising star here in Kansas City. That should be the Chiefs OC right now, but he's not. He's with the Giants. They're winning. Shocking. They're winning. He's named for this job. He'd be crazy at his age. He's just now starting to get named for jobs. You don't take a job in your 30s 
unless there's a quarterback. They got nothing. They named Jeff Saturday, an ESPN analyst, as their interim head coach. Colts organization, man. Mm. Rough, rough go. Jeff Saturday's their interim coach. He just left ESPN. He's taken over as interim coach. I don't think he's any permanent solution, nor does he want to be. But he's a smart guy, a steady hand. He's beloved in Indy. I understand what they're doing for the rest of this season. So there it is. Crazy stuff. The team that beat the Chiefs is the first one to fire their coach. Go figure. Oh, Kate Upton is throwing shade at Giselle and Tom Brady. Uh, did you notice you know who Kate Upton is? She was the first, like, I took my own pictures and got famous model. She's 30 now. She took them as a teenager. They found her the second she turned 18. They put her in Sports Illustrated. She has, for a supermodel, a different shape than most women. She doesn't fit the mold. She is voluptuous. She's all these different, you know who Kate Upton is. But she's different. She also has appeared to be through the years to be like the coolest girl in the room. Like, I don't know how you guys are. I could never be married to Giselle Bundchen. Sorry. It just looks too society, snooty, international, something to me. I don't know. Kate Upton, fun, fun, fun. Seems like a fun girl. Always doing fun stuff. She's a good mom now. They got a young daughter. She loves her some Justin Verlander. Verlander just won the World Series. He's 39. They're fielding questions. Hey, is this the time to walk away and retire? You just won the World Series. You're 39 years old. Kate Upton chimed in, throwing shade at the Bradys, and said, I love watching him do what he does. I don't want him to quit. Keep playing. There's photos of her in her Verlander jersey. She's hugging him on the field. They take pictures with their little girl. They're doing interviews about this thing. She goes, hell no. I got him at home the next six months. He, we're going to be together every day the next six months. I want him to keep playing. I love going and watching him play. I love watching him do what he does. Now, I would have just told you five years ago, which one is the marrying type? This may be the most sexist podcast I've done yet, but I'll do it. Who's the marrying type? Giselle or Kate? Well, Kate. That's easy. It's Kate. And it's proven true. You just don't, you just don't. Giselle Bungeon, if, if the reason you're broken up is Tom Brady went back to football and, and is too dedicated to football, you married the wrong guy. You married the wrong guy. He even went out and signed a TV deal, $250 million to be a Fox broadcaster when football's over. He'll be home all the time. He's going to drive you crazy. That's a two-day-a-week job for 20-some weeks is all. I, uh, there's got to be way more to it than that. Maybe she's upset that he's just getting more famous than her and she's getting older. I don't know. Kate Upton doesn't care. She just loves her some Justin Verlander. That's a that's that's really sweet. They've been together a long time and they're having a family now. She's got all her money on her own. Same kind of thing. It's pretty cool. Way to go, Kate Upton. That's I, I would say for men, I can't speak for women. Women may hate her for saying something like that. I don't know. On behalf of almost every man listening to this podcast right now. Thank you. Thank you for saying what's so obvious and standing by your man. It shows you love him. Do what you do. You know, if you're, if you're marrying a man that's driven, and you know that, when you say yes, you know if, you're, if she said yes to a guy that was a Hall of Fame-bound pitcher that is a you know, workout freak and he's dedicated to his craft and all that, you know what you're marrying. That's part of what you're marrying. 
Some dudes are driven. Some women are driven. Giselle Bungeon is driven. Kate Upton in her own way is driven. I think she's driven more as a mom now than anything else, but she's an Instagram model and still puts things out there. Giselle Bungeon's really driven. Maybe that's where they went wrong. Maybe they can't both be that driven. Not really sure. All right, before our final thing, I want to remind you that Cross Kitchens KC is Kansas City's remodeler, family-owned and operated in Belton, Missouri. Tim Cross works on every project himself. These folks live on a micro farm. They're really cool people. He looks a little bit like Luke Bryan. You want to meet him? You got a project going? He'll come right to your house and take a look. CrossKitchensKC.com or call Tim at 816-898-7047. CrossKitchensKC.com. Roberts Robinson, online at Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet Buick GMC in Excelsior Springs. I'm noticing the inventory is starting to build back up. They got some beautiful GMC Denali's, Sierra's uh, Denali's on the lot right now in Excelsior Springs. You look for that new truck, Chevy Silverado, Chevy Colorado. They're right there at Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet Buick GMC, home of the free lifetime powertrain warranty. They also have 0% financing on some models. Prices of cars are coming down. Inventory's going up. That's what happens when Biden takes over and you try to crush the economy. Man, if you need that new truck, you need that new work truck, Chevy HD work trucks, $1,000 incentive right now on Chevy HD. RobertsRobinson.com is the website to check it out. And of course, this holiday season, Jocelyn's Jewelry is your go-to for anything shiny. That's the way we talk about Jocelyn's. You want something shiny? You know she does. She wants something shiny for Christmas in a teeny-weeny little box that you can put up on the tree, not under the tree. Oh, it'll drive her nuts for a month. You put that tree up and have a little bitty box up there, she's going to know it's jewelry. She's going to have no idea what it is. That's fun, guys. It really is fun. They'll wrap it for you right there at Jocelyn's. They do it all. You just walk in, pick her something out, and it's ready to put on the tree. Not under the tree. On the tree. Find something cool this year. Jocelyn's 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. Our final story is a feel-good story. You may recall uh, a few months ago, we had the director on from the KC East Lions Football Club. This group is the folks that have homeschool kids that want to play sports. And they've got all kinds of different sports, volleyball, basketball, football. We kind of fell in love here with the KC East Lions because I just thought this is pretty cool. Putting together a football team is not inexpensive. Many of you that listen to podcasts made a donation at the time. And they wanted me to thank all of you for helping out. I don't know how many people it was. It might have been 20 of you. I don't know how many did. But you did, and you helped them out, and they appreciate it. And so what they do is they have to have funding. They don't have a school district that provides helmets and pads and all this other stuff, so they have to raise money. Homeschool kids are 90% conservative, by the way. So homeschool kids, which is just growing and growing and growing, want to play sports too. The KC East Lions eight-man football went eight and two this year. They lost their final game Friday night, so they're done. They went eight and two, and here's how much fun eight-man football is. Their average score was 66 to 34. <laughs> Those KC East Lions get up and down the field now. What a season. Congratulations to all involved. Uh, you know, Clean his group and all the nice people over there. Just tremendous people. We congratulate them on a very successful season. And more than anything, we congratulate them on being great parents to their children, being involved teaching them what needs to be taught, not only math and science, but about America, maybe about religion, maybe about sports. But we know these kids are in great hands, and we know parents 
truly are the best teachers anywhere in the world. It's also your responsibility as a parent, but good stuff. We're big fans of the KC East Lions. They finished the season eight and two. Congratulations. Don't forget to hit that like or follow button at kksissues.com. We'd love you to follow the podcast or find somebody that does. If you'd like to be part of our post-election party on Wednesday, uh, join the patron program. And there's a podcast up right now that tells you where it is, when it is, all that good stuff. We'd love to have you there. I can't invite everyone this time because the room isn't big enough. We've only got room for about 100. And I think we're going to have close to that with just patrons. So um, if you'd like to join up and become a patron, I'd love to have you at the patron party on Wednesday to celebrate the elections. Go to kkasissues.com, get signed up. Don't forget the KK list. If you're looking to buy any goods or services, these are companies that we know the owners and the people that run them. They are KKHI approved at the kklist.com. And mostly just thank you for hitting that play button and giving us a little bit of your day at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs)